Jesus, we adore you this morning. We adore you, O worthy one. The one who is worthy of all honor and all glory, all praise, all affection, all desire, all of us. We bring all of ourselves to you. And honor and glory and worship of who you are, Jesus. We love you this morning. We thank you in your name. And all God's people said,
provide for us. We trust you with it, Jesus. If you want to uh, give to what God is doing in and through our congregation, there are four ways you can give. Give online or be in the app. If you're giving online or the app, please make sure you select New Life Downtown as your congregation of choice. There are boxes in the lobby. You can mail it to the address on the screen. And if you're feeling you want to give over and above this year and say, hey, I want to begin to invest in a permanent location for us for downtown, we do have a downtown facility fund. Uh, so in that drop-down menu online, you can give uh, over and above normal ties and offerings to as we continue to save and prepare uh, for whatever it is that God has for us in the future. All right, during this season of Advent, we are doing a couple things to mark the season. Uh, one is we're lighting candles as a way of uh, lighting our hope once again, reminding ourselves that the light has come into the darkness. I want to invite the Cawthorns up. They're going to lead us in the candle reading uh, today and lighting. And then our worship team has prepared special music for us to reflect on during this season. Uh, then our scripture will come up and read the gospel reading. And then Sarah Jackson, our spiritual formation pastor, uh, and my wife will be preaching this morning for us today out of Luke chapter 1. So let's prepare our hearts to receive the word today as we light the candles and remember God's light has come into the darkness. Good morning, everyone. My name is Keegan Cawthorn. This is my family. This is my parents, Charles and Amy, my wife, Rachel, uh, my kids, Lincoln, Graham, and Lucy. Um, today is the second Sunday of Advent as we wait for Israel, uh, as we wait with Israel for Jesus to come and wait with the church for Jesus to come again. We light this candle as a symbol of our peace in Christ as we meet him with the psalmist declaring let me hear what the Lord God says because he speaks peace to his people and to his faithful ones don't let them return to foolish ways God's salvation is very close to those who honor him so that his glory can live in our land faithful love and truth have met righteousness and peace have kissed may this light remind us to pursue the peace that Jesus bought with through the blood of his cross. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We invite you to take this next few moments to reflect on God's peace as the worship team shares some special music with us. Oh, 
Hello, my name is Annalise, and if you are able, please stand for the gospel reading found in Luke 1, 39 through 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. The gospel of the Lord. Let's keep standing together while we pray. God, thank you for the peace that you have brought to us even this morning with this beautiful music with the beautiful hearts of our worship leaders this morning. Will you bless them? Thank you for the beauty in this room. Thank you that it comes from you. You are beautiful. It is our deep delight, our deep pleasure this morning to be in awe of you, to see you in your beauty, to learn how to trust you. Bless us as we take a deeper, longer look into this word, this gospel reading this morning. Come to us, Jesus, as you have done over and over and over again in the course of human history. You keep coming to us. Let us be soft. Let us be open and ready to receive you in your coming. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. Church, you may be seated. In our second week of Advent, we are talking about a passage of scripture in Luke 1 this morning that's often called the visitation. Now, there are actually a lot of visits in Luke, especially in the Christmas story. You've got the angel visiting Zachariah. You've got the angel visiting Mary. You've got, the, you've got Mary visiting Elizabeth. You've got the angels visiting the shepherds, the shepherds going and visiting Mary. So if you feel overwhelmed with visiting during the Christmas season, I think we can blame Luke or the angels. There's a lot of visiting happening here. And we're actually going to look at two passages this morning. I think they have a really interesting tie-in together. Um, The first one, as we heard in the gospel reading, is when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth after the angel has come to her and told her the promised one is coming through you. We're also going to look at uh, a passage uh, later in Jesus's life where um, John the Baptist is in prison and he sends his friends, his followers, um, some messengers to Jesus to ask him a question. So it's another visit that we're going to be looking at. And both of these passages mainly involve Jesus's family members. And I think that's really interesting. We get kind of a glimpse into his, uh, his relationship with some of his family members, not because he is like directly speaking face-to-face to any of these people. Uh, at the time of Mary visiting Elizabeth, um, it's, he's in Mary's womb. 
And so they're not seeing him face to face. And John receives a message from him. He doesn't even get to see him face to face. So we're going to talk about that. Each of these people in these stories were holding something, were carrying things. And I think that, the, that there will be a word here for us as we are also people who are not yet getting to see Jesus face to face. And we're holding things always. We're always carrying things, aren't we? So I'd like to take a little um, informal poll this morning. I hate these when people say this for, uh, to the congregation, like, raise your hand if. I'm always like, oh, so I'm getting some sick satisfaction this morning by being able to do this to you. Uh, okay, so in our house, um, in the adults that live in our house, we hold things very differently. One of us really enjoys to... <laughs> One of us really enjoys to hold things personally and quietly and not have to talk to anyone about it. The other person really likes to, as soon as they're aware they're holding something, go talk to someone about it. So uh, I'll let you figure out who's who in that relationship. But let's take a little informal poll this morning. Think about yourself. When you realize that you're holding something, it could be excitement, it could be anxiety, it could be uh, just confusion. Maybe you're like disturbed by something or maybe, you, maybe you're apprehensive about something. When you're holding something, raise your hand if you're the kind of person who wants to just kind of hold that personally and quietly. Anybody? Okay, you guys are Elizabeth in this story. All right, hands down. Okay, who are the people that would like to go talk to someone about what you're holding? Raise your hand. Okay, you're Mary. Okay, who of you like to just send passive-aggressive passive texts to people that you're mad at? You're John the Baptist, all right? <laughs> so we got it all covered this morning. We also just secretly took a very informal poll about who likes to do polls and who doesn't like to do polls. So thanks for... That information. All right, let's go back to this story about Elizabeth and Mary. We're going to read through the gospel again. I'm actually going to go back a little bit. I, I believe we read this last week. Um, that the angel, when he came to Mary to say, this is how the promised one is coming into the world. It's through you. God is going to conceive a child within you. And she's like, how now is that going to be possible? I'm a virgin. I'm engaged to be married. And the angel says, well, the Holy Spirit's come, going to come upon you. Listen, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. The word of the Lord does not fail. That's how the angel tells her this is happening. And then she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. The angel leaves. Very next verse, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. What was she holding? I'm so curious. Oh, I wish we could hear more in this story about what she was holding. What was the relationship between great excitement and terror in her life? Also, who was she traveling with? She should not have been making this trip alone. That would have been very inappropriate in her day. <laughs> she goes to, and she clearly did, doesn't seem to know that Elizabeth had been pregnant for the last six months. This is a family member who also has been given a huge uh, investment of the Lord's promise in her. And Mary didn't seem to know about it till that point. 
Elizabeth has actually been in seclusion for the last five to six months. I think it's really interesting. Here she is feeling the Lord's um, blessing upon her. And he, she even says in the scriptures, you are reversing the shame that I have endured among my people. And when she is pregnant, she hides herself. To me, that just speaks to some of the contemplation that was going on there. She didn't announce herself like, hello, finally, I am the blessed one of the Lord. Look at me, reverse the shame. She hides herself. What was happening in her in those few months between in her prayers and the things that she was contemplating? So Mary gets to uh, Elizabeth's and Zechariah's home, and it says, when she entered and greeted Elizabeth, that Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby John, the Baptist, he's going to be called, leapt, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is what she says as she is filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you will bear. All Mary did was greet her. And she is filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesies truth about what is happening in the world, what is happening in Mary's life in that second. And then she says, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Listen to this affirmation that she gives Mary. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said would be done, that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I have a beautiful piece of art that was done um, that just kind of shows a person's representation of this moment here. I think we have, there it is. Isn't that beautiful? See the light there in the center? Let's put the other one up too when we talk about this. So Elizabeth, Elizabeth has been in seclusion. She has probably been in contemplation. And she is excited about what she is holding. And then Mary enters. And what happens here? Does she say, I want to tell you all about what God did for me, which she could have, and it would have been right to do. But she is filled with the Holy Spirit. And what was most needed in that moment wasn't Look what God has done for me. Look what God has done for you. Look what God has done for us. And good job trusting that you can say yes to God and that his promises will be fulfilled to you. Blessed are you who believed what God has said. And I'm just curious, who of you might be in this space today? Who needs to hear Good job trusting that what God has spoken to you will be fulfilled. I was so struck this morning by the line in the song. We've sung this song so many times, but the song that we sing about how you're the first, you're the last, you're forever. The song says, you are the promise and you are the keeper. You're the one who holds all things together. Everything that is happening in Luke is showing that the promised one is keeping his promise by coming himself. 
that he is holding all things together. There's so much in this passage. There's so much in the passage that we're gonna read next about who God is. But this is what I love about Luke's gospel. He helps us see our own humanity inside of the promises of God. He gives us so much to work with around like, what? Why is it so hard for us to trust who Jesus is? Why is it so hard for us to trust our place in God's story? And this was a moment in Mary's life and in Elizabeth's life where it seems like there was great joy. For both of them, something was happening that seemed to be a blessing. It was exciting. It was, it was part of like the promise that their people had been waiting for for so long. So yeah, there's a lot of joy here. And that affirmation of trust is really beautiful. But let's remember that both of these women, these, promised, this, these promises that were given to them, those babies grew up to be men, and those men both died gruesome deaths. This was not the last time in their lives where they were going to have to learn to trust God, to trust what God has said. We are on a lifelong journey, friends, of trusting that God is both the promise and the promise keeper that God holds all things together, that our place in God's story means something, that God has not forgotten you, that God has not forgotten me, and that what God is doing in the world is not just about the greater world, that it's also about what he's doing in us. And what he's doing in us isn't just about our life and what we want, but in what's happening in the greater world and history of God's story. And there are a lot of things that, that Jesus is seen saying in the Gospels. He, that as far as our relationship of trust with him, I find it so interesting that when he's talking about faith with his disciples, who he's face-to-face with, we often hear, where is your faith? Almost like this challenge, like, I'm with you. What? Why can't we do this together? But there are a couple other affirmations that that he gave when people weren't seeing him face to face. And I think these are here for us in the text. The first affirmation is for when you've said, yes, I, I will trust you. I will risk trusting you, God. And that affirmation is the one that Elizabeth in the power of the Holy Spirit spoke over Mary. Blessed are you who has believed that what God has said will be fulfilled. Someone in here needs to hear that this morning. Blessed are you for saying yes to God. Good job trusting. Yes, God is saying yes to you. But what about the affirmation that we need when things are not going the way that we thought? Or we said yes and then things took a downhill turn. What if what we're going through is some tough sledding, Malachi? And that's for you. That's an inside joke with our meal groups. You too can join a meal group and get some inside jokes. <laughs> what about when you're going through some tough sledding? There's another affirmation that we need. Let's look at our next text. This is found in Luke 7. So Jesus has begun his ministry. And 
There's a lot in Luke about Jesus' relationship with John the Baptist. I encourage you to spend some time in those first few chapters of Luke at some point. Really interesting relationship. Like, did they know each other growing up? Did they not? John the Baptist is a strange person, (laughs) but Jesus affirms him. Jesus asks him to, to baptize him as he's getting ready to go into his ministry. And John's like, no, no, I'm not worthy. And Jesus is like, do it. They do it. <laughs> and at one point, John the Baptist is speaking out against Herod. And I mean, he's just afraid of no one. And Herod's like, you're in jail. So he spends the rest of his life in jail and then is beheaded by Herod. But at this point, he's in prison. Jesus has begun his ministry. Um, He is healing. He is working among the people. And at this point, people are really in awe of him. Uh, And they're saying, oh, great prophet has appeared among us. God has come to help his people. And the news about Jesus is spreading throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Let's go to Luke 7, verse 18. John is in prison his disciples give him news about what's happening in Jesus's life and the way that Jesus is interacting with the people. And I don't know, friends, I don't know if it's because he was in prison. I don't know if it's because John was a real hellfire and brimstone kind of person and Jesus just wasn't, isn't. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it was that was really messing with his mind and heart at the time. But he calls two of his followers and he sent them to Jesus. He sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Right then. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back, report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. Jesus had literally just raised someone from the dead. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And hear this. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. I found an artist's rendering of John in prison. I just want to sit with it for a second. It's like 10% pouty. (laughs) But I feel like it's 90% devastated, not unsure. Do you understand that he has given his entire life pre-prison to proclaiming that God has come to his people? This is the one. These are devastating words that he asks Jesus. Are you the one to come? Should we be expecting someone else? And I don't know about you, but I hear Jesus' affirmation in that moment. Blessed is the one who does not stumble on account of me. 
not as a get it together or are you in or are you out? But I hear what he says to him as a whispered, please don't let go. Please hold on. Please keep trusting. I know this isn't the way you thought it would be, but things are happening here. And if that word touched John in the same way that it should touch us today, then John was able to go to his death in peace. He knew that what God had promised was true. And he could trust that. So there are two affirmations I think that Jesus is bringing to us through these texts. Blessed are you when you believe that what God has promised is gonna be fulfilled. And blessed is the one who does not stumble on account of me. I wanna tell you a little story about someone who has brought these affirmations to me in different times of life. I'll show you her picture. Uh, This is my friend, Andrea. On the left, we have uh, 2007 baby Sarah. (laughs) And Andrea, who's actually perfectly for this text, pregnant in that picture. Um, This is us this year. You can take that down now. (laughs) Uh, This is my friend, Andrea. I feel like, actually, I was realizing, I think I've maybe referenced her in previous sermons, maybe in all of them. And that felt weird to me because she doesn't live here and you don't know her. And I'm like, I think it's because she's a preacher. And so it just, she's like on my heart. She's an amazing preacher. So she's on my heart when I'm preparing a sermon. Um, And I think also just because she's been such a formative influence in my life. So this next sermon will just be all updates about Andrea. Okay. In 2007, actually when that picture was taken, I was carrying, and quite alone, I was carrying um, just a lot of confusion about God's promises to me. What, What does my life really matter? What is my purpose in the church? Is God really real? Is all the stuff that I've heard growing up actually true? I mean, there's just a lot of sifting going on. And um, Andrea and I became friends that year. This was when we were in seminary and we would take a lot of walks together. I would go um, visit her at her house. She had kids and I didn't. And we just spent a lot of time together and we talked about a lot of things. And I did feel like I was fairly transparent to her about my opinions, about my frustrations, uh, maybe even some of my hopes. But there came a point um, that year where I made some really stupid decisions devastating even. And at a point where I was the most desperate for any kind of word from God, for some reason, I went to her house. And I remember it was the summer, it was, um, it was dark outside, we were, it was later at night, and we were sitting on her porch, and I told her everything. And I just remember how she held space for me then. And she asked in a kind, not a condemning tone, why didn't you tell me this before all this happened? And then I I remember her sort of going, I mean, now that I think about it, you said certain things. I should have asked you this. I should have taken that more seriously. And we, in that night, because of the, the safety and the trust that I felt I could have with her, 
And in her relationship with Jesus, she spoke some strong words to me that night. Strong words of, you've got to hold on and you are not alone. And I know this is harder than you thought and it's slower than you thought, but you can hold on. So we began um, really getting more specific about the way that we talk to each other about our life in Christ. And she, over the course of many years, and almost all of our relationship has been long distance. We do a lot of visiting each other. But she has been a person to me who is a sign of the presence of Jesus. And you know what? Like John's messengers, she's gone to Jesus for me. When my soul has been imprisoned and I cannot hear the voice of Jesus, I cannot feel his nearness to me. She has gone to him on my behalf. She has brought back messages for me when I'm starting to let go. And she has also been an incredible encourager in seasons where I have been strong in my firm hold to the promises of God. And she has said, yes, blessed are you when you are believing that what Jesus has said to you will be fulfilled. A big part of our relationship and in many relationships I have been blessed to have since then has been something called disclosure. As we close today, I wanna, I wanna challenge the church with this. As I read these texts, it became very clear to me how easy it is for us to hear things about Jesus, to yes, he is Lord, bless you God, I love you. You know, we can talk about God, we can even feel like we're participating in the things of God. But are we taking our place in God's story by recognizing the state of our own soul in our lifetime at any given season? I don't think we're very good at this. There have been people throughout the church, John Wesley was one of them, who called to the church, like we have got to be better about talking about the states of our soul with one another. Not just talking about God, but talking about what God is doing in our lives. So I would like to close this morning by challenging us in something because we need these affirmations to learn how to trust God. But our participation in that is through disclosure. Disclosure means that we speak to one another about our lived experience of God, that we are having God conversations with each other, not just about God in general, but about our life with God. How does my soul prosper is how John Wesley asked it. How's it going in here? My internal world, does my internal world match up with my outer world or are we in great dysfunction right now? I think oftentimes we can live very happily in great dysfunction. That's why we can be in a Bible study, we can be in a meal group, and we can be crumbling inside that entire time putting on a happy face, just acting like everything's great. No one knows any better about what's actually happening in our life with God. And therefore, the affirmation that we need about trust cannot come to us because nobody even has a clue. So as the uh, worship team comes and Pastor Blake comes to lead us in communion, here's what I'd like to put out as a, as a challenge. Some questions for us to think about as we go from here, recognizing we need affirmation in our journey of learning trust as much as Jesus' own family members did. 
So let me ask you this right now. I wanna say when I'm talking about this kind of friendship like what I put out there with Andrea, this is, doesn't have to be your best friend. It doesn't have to be someone that you do everything with. I'm talking about just the regular, uh, what should be regular Christian relationships in the church. We are supposed to be a network of spiritual friends with one another. But this network has got some weak spots in it. This network has got some holes and some people are falling through the cracks. How can we strengthen this? How can we strengthen this bond with one another? One of the ways is by talking about the states of our soul so that Jesus can come to us where we are right now. So let me ask you, friends, is someone helping you find Jesus right now? Is someone helping you find Jesus right now? Why? Why not? If, the, if your honest answer to the question is, no, then let me ask you do, you, do you think you can do this alone? Do you think you can do this by yourself, trusting Jesus? Or is this not a, has this not been a priority to you? Let me make it one for you today. Is someone in your life helping you find Jesus now? Who is affirming you? when you are faithfully carrying trust and love in Jesus? Who is hearing your processing about what God is speaking you and watching you wrestle? And when you're like, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna risk this trust, they say, yes, good for you. Good job believing that what God has said to you will be fulfilled. If you don't have anyone like that in your life, why? How, do you talk with anyone about your life with God? Have you risked trust in Jesus by trusting other believers? Who is challenging you to hold on to trust in Jesus when your heart is imprisoned? Does anyone know how you struggle? Does anyone know how you're suffering? Does anyone know when you ask the question, God, is this it or is there something else I should be expecting? Who is helping you hold on when your heart is in that space? And finally, let's take this to a missional level. Are you helping someone see Jesus in their life? Have you taken your place in the spiritual friendship network of this church? Are you taking your part in serving the family of God seriously? You don't have to be everybody's friend, but you gotta be somebody's friend. <laughs> and that friendship just isn't about, do we enjoy being together? Man, I was in a small group for years and there were like half the people in that group, I was like, I would not do anything with you outside of this moment. <laughs> but, and we had conflict. It got ugly sometimes. And we're not friends now, really. We've all gone our separate ways. But let me tell you, the commitment that we made to each other during that time, the questions we were asking each other, the risk in sharing vulnerably and praying for each other and speaking the goodness of God to each other, that was what I needed in that season of my life. And those people may not be people I travel with now, but they are part of how I have learned to trust Jesus. So I bless God for them.
are you receiving the friendship, to, friendship and affirmation of God through others right now? And are you offering that to someone else? It should be this beautiful, reciprocal thing. If any of the answers to those questions are no, I wanna bless you now. Jesus has an affirmation for you. He'll make sure it gets to you. One of the places that it starts is here at the communion table. And one of the ways that we engage in what Jesus is trying to offer us at the table is that we disclose to him the state of our soul. So we're not just coming forward to receive, sorry, Blake, I'm taking forever, aren't I? All right, we're setting this up here, let's go. Okay, I'm not just coming forward to practice what the church has been practicing and remembering Jesus, that's a huge part of it. And I'm not just eating my cracker and dipping it in the juice and going to sit down and saying, okay, that was great. What I am doing is physically coming to Jesus. And as I come forward, if I am willing, he is willing to hear Where are you, my friend, my child? How is it with your soul? Does it prosper? Is it imprisoned? How do you need me this morning? I am here to bless you. And you'll see it on the faces of those offering you communion. There is a blessing and an affirmation in Jesus for you today. And he's also bringing people to you. And he's companioning with you to do this for others as well. So can we, can we be better at this as a church? It's a network of spiritual friends helping each other trust Jesus our whole life long. Amen. Let's come to the table. You can take your time, my dear friend, Sarah. Thank you so much. And so friends, this is Jesus' table. And I'm struck at this juxtaposition of the light that's dawning in one of Jesus' final acts. And we're invited to come to this table here and now. In this season of waiting and longing, encountering Christ toward the end of his life and the ways that he gave of himself. And so for any who follow after Jesus as Lord, we invite you to this table. We invite you regardless of your church affiliation or background. And if it doesn't describe you that you're someone who's seeking after Jesus or following Jesus, we're so glad that you took a risk to come here today, to worship with us, to experience Christ alongside of us. And we ask that you keep coming back. Maybe you might find one of those spiritual friends in in your midst as you keep journeying with Christ here alongside of us. And if you are ready to take that first step toward Jesus, this is one of those moments that you can do that as we all confess our sin together, asking Christ to forgive us and help us place our trust in him and to give us salvation anew. So let's pray this prayer together that'll be on the screens. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and in deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. 
And it's my joy to announce to you this good news. Words that are true, not because we say them every week, but because of what God has done through Christ our Lord. So would you open your hearts and your hands to receive again the mercy of God? That Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. This proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. The peace of the Lord be with you and also with you. So as those who have been raised to new life with Christ Jesus, would you stand and greet those around you in the peace you've received from Christ? Friends, let's join in to these words again together. Jesus is here. His spirit is with us. So lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Let's do that together here in this space. Praise the name of the Lord. It is a good and joyful thing to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, for you formed us in your image You breathed your life into us. When our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When we were unfaithful, you sent your son to be faithful on our behalf. And as we recount this story, I ask you to imagine the scene of Jesus, the friend who could bear his own soul to 12 men around the table, one of whom would betray him, one who could extend such a promise like this. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of your mighty acts in Christ Jesus, we proclaim the mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. This table remains a place of remembrance and encounter. In this Advent season, we're singing a new prayer to ask Christ to meet us again along with the Holy Spirit. Sing with us.
Church family, these are the gifts of God. They are given for us, the people of God. We receive them in remembrance that Christ died for us. And we feed on him in our hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. So if this is your first time here joining us for communion, you can simply follow along with those who are around you. Or if you'd like, you can scan the QR code for some more instructions and more details on how and why we practice communion the way that we do. If you're unable to come forward, simply ask someone beside you to bring the gifts, the gifts of Christ back to you. And if you're in the balcony, we invite you to join in on this right section as well. Let's come to the table. Let's see face to face with Jesus, maybe through the eyes of even one of the people who are gonna serve you communion today. Let's see Christ calling us anew. Let's worship together.
out with us this morning.
Amen. Just a couple of things before we're sent out into the world to carry the light of Christ with us. First, if you need prayer for any reason this morning, please come forward. Our prayer teams are here uh, up front and they'll be here for as long as you need. Uh, if one of the ways to sort of accept or receive that challenge from the Lord through Sarah today is to come forward for prayer, just to disclose what's going on and to receive prayer. Team, thank you for serving us communion, for constantly affirming us of the love of God and what you do every week. Those of you who are serving and those of you who serve on this team uh, every week, you are a gift to us. So thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, serving us in that way. Also want to remind you, if you're new or newer here, we'd love to get to know you. There's going to be a QR code that might come up. I was supposed to do it earlier and I forgot. Uh, if not, there's QR codes out in the lobby. You can scan that, fill out a guest card, or stop by the Welcome Center. We'd love to meet you. We have a gift for you. We'd love uh, to tell you about opportunities to get involved here at New Life Downtown or answer any questions uh, that you have. Also, we have a couple of things coming up. One is we're in the middle of our annual, our second annual uh, Adopt a Student Drive here at Paul. So one of the ways that we try to be in the city and particularly in the school uh, for the sake of the school is by finding students whose families are going through a difficult time and adopt them during this Christmas season. We're adopting 75 high school students uh, this year with a $40 Christmas gift. If you'd like to get involved with that, Pastor Ken will probably be out in the lobby somewhere. You can email him. He can give you all the details. I think we have about 40 students uh, left to adopt. And Christmas Eve is coming up. So Christmas Eve is on a Sunday this year. Uh, we will meet during our normal Christmas Eve times at 2 and at 4. We will not meet in the morning that Sunday. So next week, normal service time at 9.30. The following week on Christmas Eve, 2 and 4 o'clock here at Palmer. Uh, on your way out, there'll be some cards, so you can grab one of those to remind you of the times. And maybe take that card, give it to a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, um, someone that you know, and invite them to come and join you uh, on Christmas Eve as we celebrate the birth of Jesus together. Now, as we're sent, as we go out into the life that Jesus has for us, may you be someone uh, who helps others hold hope. And would others come alongside you and help you hold hope in Christ. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, New Life Downtown. I love you. I'll see you next week or around the city sometime here and there. God bless.